Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Welcome to Right On Radio Live, ladies and gentlemen, boys and swirls. We are here live doing our very first Podbean Live, where the tech tyrants are not as against us. This week, we've had uh, not only a week-long suspension on YouTube, but Jesse, they've deleted about five more of our videos. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> it is. So I'm going to take I'm going to be proactive and actually start deleting most of our content from that platform and it'll take some time but I'll upload it into other places I'll be diligent at doing it uh but then we'll just uh we'll stick to using it as an advertising platform and drive their traffic to good places like this Sounds good And there's also the possibility and I'm just thinking out loud but perhaps we will go to the video platform which is about 99 dollars a month on podbean it might be a good idea but we'll discuss that absolutely we'll discuss it so jesse today is a very big day oh i'm getting an echo hold on a second i shouldn't be because i'm using headphones let me see if this is better. No, I have an echo again. <laughs> that is not better. <laughs> no, no, it's not better. All right. We'll have to deal with it. I'll work that out in the next one, I suppose. But Jesse, today we have Trump speaking at CPAC. I'm expecting some bombs. And before we get into the show, which you've prepared today... I want to discuss my predictions for his speech. Oh, okay. I like when you have predictions. Then we get He is going to come out on fire. He is going to boast the Republican Party. He's going to send out a lot of communications. He's probably going to talk about 2022 interim elections. I do not want the listenership to be disheartened by that this is what he must do what i do think he will do is he is going to use the republican party to take down the democratic party and then take down the republican party because this whole divide and conquer strategy has gone against the american people for way too long and that has to fall Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting he's probably going to go on around four o'clock. He's usually a little bit late for these things, but I think three forty is the schedule. So I would look after that. But uh, he's going to come on. But also, it is Purim today, and what's interesting, Jesse, is as I've been studying this a little bit, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. But the events of this time in the Book of Esther really echo what we're seeing today happening. Absolutely, we do. So this is going to be amazing. Jesse, I will let you take it and run with it. All right. Well, 
with Purim, what that comes from, um, it comes from the time when um, Israel basically was under the control of, you know, the Persian government, um, King Azarius, and, you know, they usually, I guess I want to go into first, what, what is Purim? You know, it's, it's the time that they celebrate, um, you know, when the Jewish people were saved. And the word Purim literally means lots, L-O-T-S. And we're going to get into that, um, the connection with that word and how it connects to the book of Esther. Um, usually during this time, um, it's one of four mandatory feasts that the Jews celebrate every single year. And they would celebrate it by giving gifts to each other, donating to the poor. It's going to be a big feast time. So they'll be eating and drinking and parties and getting together. And then um, they usually will have a rabbi or someone who will come and they read through the entire book of Esther and listen to that together so that they remember um, what the Jewish people went through and then they would recite their daily prayers. So that's typically- Jesse, just before you continue, if I could just make a quick comment on that. Yeah. Listen, the Jews have so many good holiday parties. Why are we not celebrating more of these as Christians? Yeah, I think we should be joining in with them on that. <laughs> I think so. They have, and by the way, these holidays should be some of the mandatory holidays too that the uh, that the Christians enjoy. I believe because they were holidays, you know, ordained by God. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, when we get into it, we'll realize, you know, how much we are a part of that story, even you know, in the future. And um, so I do believe it's important for Christians to celebrate that. Um, with it, you know, a lot of scholars debate as to, you know, what is the overall purpose or theme of the book of Esther? And for me, I would have to say it really is about the display of God's power and so behind this, you know, as we see this story unfolding, I want people to really think about that. You know, what does this book say about the power of, of God and the unfolding of his will, um, his will that brings justice and judgment? So those are important things about this book. So I'm going to just go through the basic story here, but what you have is you have, you know, King Azarius is reigning and um, he decides to invite his entire, you know, the Persian army and um, the medias, the princes, um, the rulers of that kingdom and has this, you know, party that lasts over seven days. Okay. So they're feasting, they're drunk, um, they're enjoying themselves and in the middle of this party, King Azarius, um, he was married to Queen Vashti, who was known to be this absolutely drop-dead gorgeous woman. So, you know, Azarius wants to kind of brag and show his wife off 
So he commands her to appear and display herself before everybody there at the party, which was, it's all men. And, and specifically, you know, the verse says to appear in her crown. So, you know, the majority of rabbis all agree, even Christian scholars, that basically he was asking her to appear only in her crown, you know, so um, her nakedness would be displayed before all these men. And she refuses. She will not come. And even at the threat of death, you know, he gives her an ultimatum that you either show up at the party naked or you're going to die. And she refuses. And it's interesting that the way that the scripture brings it out, it's not like, you know, she's embarrassed or trying to maintain her purity. Um, it really, her heart attitude is, is just being rebellious. Like it's something she normally would have done and didn't care about, but for some reason she's purposely, um, refusing to obey in this matter. So, um, Jesse, let me, let me just interject for a second here. And I, I want to just run something by you for your opinion, but is this, story I, I obviously it's a real story but is there a metaphor happening here as well where the king is calling his bride and his bride is refusing to come to his banquet yes and that's fine if we bring that out here i was going to bring out a lot of that stuff well, in the end but you're okay well i just thought it'd be good for people to have that picture as we develop as the story develops Right. So you've got this underlying metaphor. So we can bring that out as we're continuing in the story that you have this first bride who, you know, is called to come and she refuses to come. Um, and, and, you know, even on the deeper level, um, the call is to come and display her beauty. And that's what she's refusing to share. Um, so, you know, Vashti ends up getting executed and then, um, Azarius puts out, you know, a call throughout the land that all the eligible young women must come and present themselves. You know, he's going to pick a new queen. So, um, now we have a few more characters that come in. Um, the first one is Mordecai and you know, he's an elderly Jewish man. He had, um, I believe it was his niece, his younger relative, but he had taken in Esther um, and was caring for her. And so, you know, he gets her ready and uh, brings her to the presentation. He gives her some orders, you know, and, and basically says, you know, like, he's very aware that, you know, this is a non-Jewish king and this is about kingdoms. And he says, you know, maybe God's chosen you for a purpose and a reason in this. So, you know, he encourages her to, you know, basically give her best in this. And she does find favor right away. She's uh, chosen to be the next queen. And um, so you kind of have, it, 
it's interesting. Some of the scholars, you know, would would compare Mordecai to, you know, the Holy Spirit. That some of them go back to um, the story of when Abraham, you know, who was they compare when they're doing metaphors and stuff to the father God, you know, and that he sent his servant out to find a bride for his son, Isaac, which, you know, they say is a metaphor for Jesus Christ. So some of them, you know, will put that same analogy on this story that, you know, Mordecai represents the spirit of God that is, you know, preparing and, um, getting the second bride ready for the son. Um, so it could be comparable to, you know, the first bride Vashti was, was the Jewish people um, in essence. And then you've got the second bride, which it includes both Jew and Gentiles together representing Esther. Um, and you know, oh, that's good. for the remnant, the second coming, you know, the second kingdom, which would be the kingdom of Christ. So those are some of the metaphors that they bring out in that. Um, so as this happens, we now have a third character or sorry, fourth character who enters the scene. We have, you know, one of the Persian um he, he's kind of like, you know, just a very high ranking Persian person in the kingdom. And Azarius um, brings in Haman and elevates him to pretty much the second in command in his kingdom. And with that ability, you know, Haman can do whatever he wants to do. And as he comes to work every day, he has to pass by the city gate. And that was a place where Mordecai would often sit. And if you read through like Jewish history, um, it was common, especially for the elderly men, once they you know, were retired, they weren't necessarily working daily. They would often go sit at the city gates and they would talk amongst each other. They would you know, make decisions this was typical Jewish behavior. So, you know, Mordecai would just go, he'd sit at the city gate, but it would irritate Haman and to the fact that he absolutely hated Mordecai. And, you know, the more that the days went on, you know, Haman just wanted to get rid of Mordecai. And, and why was that, Jesse? Why, why did Haman hate Mordecai so badly? Um, you know, there's some, the way that the scripture really puts it is that there's just this natural distaste, like he knows that Mordecai is a Jew. And so, you know, it doesn't seem like there's anything that Mordecai has specifically done. What, wasn't there a spot when he refused to bow down to Haman, like to give him the, the respect? Yeah, I guess there was, um, you could bring that out that, you know, he wouldn't give him the respect that he wanted the display, you know, when he came riding in on his horses, he expected everybody to kneel and bow and, 
Mordecai would not do that. So yeah, and, and Haman's like a, a really proud guy too. Like the, the way I read it is, he yeah, is absolutely. like really full of himself. I'm I'm the yeah. chief in command in this massive kingdom, right? And and the guy's a power monger. Yeah, and his pride, you know, his pride got the best of him in that situation. It sure um, did. You know, so in in generalities, you know, there's nothing that Mordecai is really doing. He what he didn't have to bow to Haman. There was nothing that, um, you know, would have forced him to do that. You you have you know Haman and his pride, who's making these unnecessary demands on people um, because he wants to be elevated. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be honored, um, you know, and, and Mordecai is just not going to give in to that. So, you know, that kind of underlies just this natural attitude of hate that he has for Mordecai. And so he decides to make a decree that he goes to Azarius and gets permission to do. And you know, that is the grounds that he, that he brings forth this decree is that, you know, these, and he extends it beyond just Mordecai, that these Jewish people are not respecting, not honoring, you know, not falling under the rule of the, of their government. And so, you know, he wants to just get rid of them. Um, so he even goes to the extent he, he builds gallows, um, you know, he's and decrees that he's going to start hunting and killing and um, all of these Jewish people. And he plans to extinguish them all, like to rid the entire land of all of them. Um, so <laughs> Again, this, every, everyone wants to get rid of the Jews, right? Like throughout history, and and God has just intervened and intervened and intervened. And that you know, one of the things that I see Jesse in this is it's not really the Jew, I would say it's more um, Israel at this point uh, because of the mixing of the tribes and things like that. So this is God's elect people in in modern day vernacular is the way I would see it. How do you think, Jesse? Yeah, well, I think it really speaks beyond Israel itself, that it it's speaking to, you know, the bride of Christ, that this is the remnant, you know. Or the elect. the elect. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got those who have survived the, the purge as, as they've been conquered, you know, and they're living in that land um, a foreign land that's under the rule of a foreign king. And, you know, so it's got a lot of implications of kind of that, you know, once again, Israel is being ruled by, you know, this time it's not Egypt, it's another, it's another king, but it's, a, you know, got this undertones of, of that bondage, that being tethered, um, to a land of wickedness, you know, people who, who have not set themselves apart for God, you know, they worship many gods and 
Israel is just in bondage in this land again and enslaved. And um, so those are some of the undertones with it. You know, it's it's also amazing this book of Esther. It's it's really like, you know, this book stands alone in the Bible because it really isn't directly pointing to God. It's it's just it's just a great story that has all these, uh, I, I guess, double meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so one of the the things we're going to bring out now is. You know, we mentioned at the beginning that the, um, you know, the Purim means lots, okay? And so why, you know, do the Jews call this holiday lots? Well, it has to do, you know, with Haman as he was, you know, making this decree and he's formulating it. Um, he actually... Um, does this ancient practice where he casts lots to decide the fate of these people, you know. And, and that's almost like them. rolling dice, right? Kind of, yeah. They would um, they would take um, like usually like a fruit bearing stick from a tree. They would, you know, cut it into small pieces and they would put symbols on each of those pieces and then what they would do is they would toss it onto a piece of cloth and then whoever was uh, divining, um, you know, the purpose of it was to divine the will of God. So they would just randomly pick, you know, after they've tossed them three of these sticks up off of this cloth and then they would read the symbols and divine what the will of God was through those symbols. So the actual term, it, it's a form of claromancy, um, which, you know, in Deuteronomy 18.10, um, the Lord uses the term, you know, let nobody be found among you who distributes. And so that, you know, that um, action of casting the sticks was a form of distributing in order to divine um, so it was a practice that, I mean, you see Moses, you see Joshua, you, you see a lot of, you know, prophets and priests would use this form to divine the will of God. Um, but as God was bringing the people into the new land, he was commanding them not to depend on that as a form of discerning his will. And that was because he wanted them to directly seek him and ask, um, you know, and he wanted to be in communication with them instead of, you know, the guesswork and um, this form of divination. So he's um, always been a personal God. Right. Very personal. Yeah. So, so it's interesting that you've got this, you know, so you've got Haman who has, cast these lots and discerned that it is God's will to do away with these Jewish people, you know, and that he's going to do it through hanging. So he builds the gallows and everything like that. So Haman actually thinks that he is walking within the will of God as he's doing all of this. And, um, you know, so 
Mordecai finds out, you know, he sees the decree that's getting posted about, and he goes to Esther and, you know, to basically tells her, instructs her what she needs to do, that she needs to fast and she's going to need to go against the laws of the land at that time, which the laws were that, you know, nobody could just approach the king. Um, they had to be summoned or called in if they wanted to talk with the king. But he's saying, you know, fast and pray, and you're going to need to go in and make a request. And so they decide, you know, that she's going to request to host a feast for him because he likes to have his parties. And that in that, she's going to invite Haman as well. And that they're going to reveal what Haman is doing, trying to destroy her and her people. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing is that they fast for three days and three nights. Um, you know, if we're looking through numbers throughout scripture, that's the exact amount of time, you know, that Jesus was in the grave uh, before his resurrection. So, you've got these three days of, you know, utter darkness where they're fasting, they're praying, they're beseeching God. Um, and let me think, I, there was something else. Oh, with the fasting too, it goes to Isaiah 58, where the Lord says, you know, this is the type of fast that I desire that your voice may be heard on high that the chains of wickedness may be broken and the yoke of oppression may be broken asunder. And so this is the type of fast that Esther and the individuals with her who are included in that fast, you know, they're fasting so that their voice may be heard on high and that, that the wickedness that is planned for these people that would bring death, that that would be stopped and broken. Um, so they're entering into, you know, that actual biblical fast that the Lord desires. And so that brings out, you know, that um, you've got, you know, the kind of this contrast, you've got Haman who, you know, has this kind of fake relationship with God and he's casting these lots saying, okay, let's see, is it God's will to destroy these people or not? And he casts these lots and divines, yeah, it's God's will. Let's get rid of the people, you know. It's and like a Pharisee. <laughs> right. It's fair, you and see. Then, we should kill them. <laughs> exactly. And then it's contrasted with, you know, Esther and the individuals with her who, you know, they're not just casting lots to know the will of God, like they're, they are seeking God's face in this fast and, um, you know, humbling themselves and, you know, abstaining from things in order to know, you know, what is your will, God? Are you going to destroy us utterly? Um, so you've got these two parallels going on at the same time. And, 
you know, at the end of that three day fast, Esther, you know, does the, <laughs> you know, the, I don't know what you'd call it, but the, the forbidden, you know, you, you had Queen Vashti who, you know, she's already died because she refused to do the will of Azarius. But Esther goes against all odds and, you know, she knows what the cost is. And, and there's a famous line out of the scripture where, you know, she says, if I perish, then I perish. So she knows that what she is doing may indeed, you know, cause her death. It, it may not prosper the cause for the entire Jewish people. They could all be killed. And just her going into the king, you know, to make her request could be the end of her life as well as the life of all the Jewish people as well. So, but you um, know what? I think, I think he kind of counted the risk because they were all going to be killed anyways. Just the, 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 uh, the king didn't realize that Esther was a Jew at this point. If I'm, am I correct in saying that? Correct. Yeah. He did not understand that she was, that she was counted as one of the Jews. So that's what she, you know, she goes in and, you know, he points the scepter at her, which says it's okay to approach, which is unusual, right. right? Yeah, that is very unusual. So he extends the scepter, which means she can come forward and make her request. And she requests to host a party for him and, you know, invite Haman and, you know, important people. And so, um, you know, he, he approves that. So then they start to get ready to have this feast. And, um, you know, in the meantime, um, I don't know if it's that exact night or, but it was within a few nights that, um, Azarius is sleeping and the Lord wakes him out of his sleep and he ends up calling his servant, having him bring in this book where they keep track of, you know, people who have done good things for the kingdom and, you know, it's kind of like his book of who do I want to honor, you know, who, who's been on my side fighting with me and, you know, who have I rewarded? So he's reading through this book and realizes that um, Mordecai had, had done a very important act and had actually um, saved the kingdom from two spies that, um, you know, these two men had intended ill intent, not only on the king, but on the kingdom. And Mordecai had brought forward, you know, the plot um, that these two men had to kill King Azarius. And <laughs> they were apprehended and, and killed. But he realizes that in this court of records that... Um, that Mordecai has never been honored or rewarded for it. That's so, right. And Mordecai was also, or was also responsible for saving Haman as well. Like this was a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Haman was a part of that rescue. Um, so King Azarius, you know, decides to invite Mordecai to this feast as well, you know, and he wants to honor him and stuff. And, um, so here you get some of the irony, you know, 
Azarius is still, you know, blind as to why Esther's really holding this feast. You know, he doesn't know about the hatred that between Haman and Mordecai. So, you know, they all gather for this this feast and, you know, you got Haman and all of a sudden he's surprised. His enemy that he wants to destroy is there at the feast as well. And, you know, in their conversation, the king starts asking Mordecai, you know, hey, we've got this person and, and they saved you know, lives, they saved us against an assassination plot, you know, you're my second in command. So I'm going to ask your advice. Like, what would you do to honor this person? This is like one of my favorite parts of the story, (laughs) Jesse. I mean, it's just like keeping coals on his head, you know, like, (laughs) I don't think he, he gets at first that it's actually Mordecai, you know, I I think he's probably sitting there thinking it's like who is the king talking about you know and so he kind of you know is like oh you know we put this guy on a on a horse or donkey and you know parade him through town and you know give him gold and and uh medals and 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 i think at some point he he almost like it's not, you know, he's questioning who is the king talking about? And he, I, you know, in his pride, you know, there's that aspect that he's also thinking, huh, this may be about me. So, you know, he's thinking about what would I want? You know, I want to be displayed publicly as this hero. You know, I want this big hoorah and, you know, everybody to respect and honor me and, you know, so he kind of, as he goes on, it gets more and more elaborate, this honoring thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and he's thinking, this has to be about me. And, and the king's now going to make me look really good in front of my enemy Mordecai. And, and you know, in the back of his mind, he knows he's built those gallows and is like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get honored. And then I'm going to get to execute Mordecai and all the Jewish people. And, you know, so I think his pride takes over in this. And, um, and pride does come before the fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the last thing he expects, you know, it, the king says, you know, yes, let's do this. And, and so I think there's that moment where Haman is just like, this is amazing. Life couldn't get any better. And then Esther enters into the room, (laughs) you know, and she humbles herself before the king and she comes straight out and says, you know, King Haman has made this decree to destroy these Jewish people. And, you know, I am Jewish and Mordecai is Jewish. So we are among those people that he plans to kill. And that's when it hits Azarius, you know, how serious this is that, you know, that Haman's made this plot that affects his own household, his own kingdom. And um, so, 
you know, the story turns around and we know that, you know, Haman ends up on the gallows with his family and all his, all his household, all the people even related or connected to him. Um, I think it's, I mean, it was a, a large number. I, I want to say it was like, from what I remember, it was about like 175,000 people were hung on those gallows. Um, I was trying to see if I could, oh, 75,000. Sorry about that. that that's um, quite a number. Yeah. So 75, I would have been more, I would have been much more efficient at killing. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's a long time if you're hanging everybody i agree <laughs> um so you know seventy-five thousand of the jewish um people's enemies were killed and um you know and the lord continues to keep esther in this place so it's interesting now when we put it into our day and time and, you know, we think about, we, we have this enemy that is dead set on just utterly destroying people, you know, whether they're Christian, whether they're patriots of the land, um, you've got kind of those correlations, you know, like Mordecai, you've got good people, people who have fought to, you know, fought for our country, who have fought to uphold rights and equality. And yet these are the people that are being targeted um, by what we'll call the deep Luciferian swamp. And, you know, at the head of that swamp, you have Lucifer who, you know, he has no intentions of allowing any of those Christians or good people to survive. You know, he wants to usher in his kingdom, in his pride, and he wants to destroy everyone. Yeah, he's not loyal to any of these people who signed deals with him, you know, or even the ones that didn't and just do his service. Right. So, you know, that's um, at the same time, you know, some of the deeper implications is when you get to the bride and you really bring out um we'll just call it the bride eschatology um, <laughs> you know you've got where the lord the lord first offered the kingdom to his people israel and you know israel basically refused um, in so many ways, you know, the Lord called Israel to display the beauty that he had bestowed on her. And, you know, there's a lot of scriptures, especially through the book of Isaiah, the books of Jeremiah, um, the book of Ezekiel, where um, even, is it Ezra, some of those, um, where you have you know, this imagery that God brings out about himself as the husband and Israel and Judah as his bride. And that instead of being, you know, a faithful, honored bride, like, you know, the Lord even says, 
you know, I, I dressed you, I clothed you. And even before that, you know, the, the whole passage, I think it, um, I want to say it's in Ezekiel, but the Lord gives this imagery that he's walking through this, this dump heap and laying in this dump heap is a, a naked baby. And the Lord hears the cries of this abandoned naked baby and, you know, scoops her up and, you know, decides that this is going to be, you know, what he invests in. And, you know, so there's this idea of this redeemer who picks up, you know, this abandoned individual um, and then, you know, gives her everything, you know, so that she's got beautiful clothing. She's got earrings to decorate herself. You know, the clothing is not even just plain, like it's beautifully embroidered. Um, so it's this idea of the Lord adorning his bride and adorning her with beauty. And, and what does she do with that beauty? You know, she goes out and, and uses it to, to throw herself at the other nations and to basically be in this adulterous, immoral relationship to have, you know, entanglements with every form of wickedness instead of delighting in what she has and what she's been given. And so, you know, a lot of this applies with this book of Esther's, you have this first bride who, you know, she is adorned with everything. And yet in her rebellious heart, she refuses to obey even one command of the king. Um, you know, and it's like, she won't come before the king and, and the men when she's requested, but she'll go out and show her nakedness to every other, everyone else, you know? Um, so that's kind of the idea and it's really a referral back to Israel and Judah. It, it is. And, and here's the thing about Esther, because, you know, I, I think one of the things in the story that stands out to me, Jesse, is, you know, here we have the, the queen who won't obey the king. You know, the bride won't come to the king's banquet. And so, you know, the king gets advice and, you know, basically says, look, okay, forget her then. I'm going to get a new bride. And, you know, for lack of a better term, he basically is hosting a beauty contest and getting a harem uh, to choose his queen. And, you know, all these other ladies from the harem who wanted to be the queen are coming up to the king and the king was saying, I will give you up to half of my kingdom if you demand of me. And, you know, so they're all going and they kind of they go, listen, you know, I would like a a new place for my family or whatever their requests are. But when Esther comes before the king, she says, I want what your will is in my life to the king. She submitted humbly. That's where she, that's, you know, the king says, you're my bride. Right. And it was even to the point of death. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. if you choose yeah. to do away with me then I'm going to accept that as well. It, it's just a beautiful picture of the kingdom in my mind. Yes, absolutely. 
and and the redemption you know the, the power i guess that you've got that con complexity where you know the bride is willing to surrender even to the extent of death you know to to be obedient to the king's will and out of that we see how does the king respond he responds with justice and judgment and it's righteous justice and judgment you know this king doesn't go along with the prideful Haman and, and kill all the Jewish people. Um, he has this mercy and compassion because of the humble respect of Esther, um, you know, and he, he elevates and honors that. And um, so, you know, you've got this beautiful imagery of the kingdom of God that, you know, that's what the Lord desires, that people fight against that wickedness and that oppression. And when he sees that being done, he joins in that cause and restores the kingdom to the way that it should be. Um, he does away with all the enemies, um, you know, whose hearts intentions were not pure or good and he honors and respects life and gives that life abundantly. Um, but he also takes away Jesse. So let's get back to the story because I love what comes afterwards where, you know, so the king makes this decree and back then a king's decree could not even be, it couldn't be revoked, not even by the king. Right. So with that, he, he has to overrule his own decree. Um, you know, he, in a way, you know, brings out the, the plot that Haman had. And I'm trying to remember exactly how scripture puts it here. But um, if you have it there right before you, go ahead and read that. Because it's very interesting how he undoes that. Yeah, I'd have to dig it up. I just studied it last night. Okay, I'm almost there. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Okay, let's say I'm almost there. Well, so I can talk, you know, just kind of in parallel to what happened. So essentially he had to give, so Esther approached the king and said, listen, let my people at least be able to defend themselves. And so the king, you know, didn't redo his order, but he said they, they could defend themselves. But then he took action against Haman. Yeah. Because Haman, you know, had intent of assassinating the queen. Yeah, that isn't going over too good because he likes his queen, Esther. Right. So the way that it puts it here is that, um, let's see. Yeah, so it says that, you know, basically that um, the king, when he gives that decree that they can defend themselves, um, 
that the people rose up at the king's command and edict and they ex and they executed their enemies and, you know brought them for execution and stuff like that so and, and not only did they execute like well tell tell what happened to haman with his with his gallows well he was hung on his own gallows that same i think it was that same day um says the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. And they pursued them all the way to the citadel of, of Susa. And then it says the king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed um, at that time 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman at the citadel of Susa. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Um, and he asks, what is your petition? What is your request? And Esther says, if it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today and let Haman's 10 sons be hanged on the gallows. So not only Haman, but they go after his seed. Like we got to wipe out the yeah. whole family. Right. It was it was him and his entire family. They went beyond um, his sons, and you know anybody who was of that family line um, was hung on those gallows. So wow, wow, yeah, pretty powerful, you know. Um, so it's interesting with, you know, things coming up, you know, especially with, you know, Trump speaking today, people are speculating, you know, there's been speculations all along that he had reinstated, you know, hanging as a form of execution. Um, you know, so people have been speculating if we are going to see, you know, on Purim, um, those who have been, you know, plotting against our king, our government, or our president, our government, um, if we're going to see, you know, the, the result of the military tribunals and if they will be hung on the gallows. Well, I'll tell you, Jesse, on the last show we did, you know, where God won't be mocked. And, you know, we look at the actions of the acting Pedotis this week. He actually reversed one of Trump's executive orders that, you know, locked up pedophiles. And basically, you know, uh, Joe Biden said, no, 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 let them roam. Like, like, how? What American person would be, you know, in favor of that? Unless you're, you know, in the sick club. Right. I mean, compared to, I forget the name of the um, official that it actually was, but you know, we had, you know, during Trump's time, one of the officials who, you know, was brought before a judge for pedophilia. They released him with no charges at all. And he had Trump putting out tweets that night to the, you know, the city where he was at. He was like, you know, 
men lock up your daughters in your house you know <laughs> to keep your children inside tonight he's like you know and he says the guy's name he's like so yeah so, yeah so and so is on the prowl on the loose something like that and i was just laughing i was like how embarrassing to have the actual president of the united states warning your city you know that you're a pedophile i was like you know so you've got this this complete opposite you know you have trump who you know he's even going to go to the extent when justice isn't done that he's calling out sending out warnings because this guy is roman free and you know versus our Pedotis, who is just allowing these people freely out and acting as though, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, that nobody needs to be concerned about it, you know? Well, listen, and, and at the same time, I'll just take it down to the state level. Like when you look at what the governors have been doing in that, you know, so first of all, you know, this, uh, you know, stay in your house sort of thing you know, quarantining, we're alone together, all this misspeak that's going out there. They're quarantining good people, but yet they're letting all these prisoners out of prison so they don't get the Rona. Like, you know, they, they've, they've, there's no bail, uh, you know, requirements in New York City, in California now. It's like they're letting all these people out to terrorize the American people. And so the, the government has actually been showing their hand that they are against you, not serving you. Right. And God is not going to be mocked. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm Jesse. I'm not predicting, but I'm expecting a miracle in the next couple of days. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you in expecting that. You know, I'm expecting the hand of God to be displayed and... You know, from the very beginning, we've both said, you know, this is not just the work of, of men or, you know, of our former president. This is the work of God that he's made end time promises. And I believe, you know, that we are going to see these miracles. We're going to see God work. And, you know, we're going to all know that it's not that it's beyond anything that any person can do you know, that this is the hand of God moving. That's right. So we, we can't be focused on man. God uses men, but God's going to do something. And I just feel it. And, you know, listen, no one knows what's timing. But, Jesse, I'm telling And actually, Ed made a comment in the chat where I've been watching here that I, I think Amanda Grayson said something there's, you know, that God is going to do a miracle in the rain or something like that. I don't, I didn't hear the prophecy, but Ed goes, it's raining today. <laughs> so I'm like, well, bring it on. Not where I'm at, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, and I, and I think if, you know, people just need to remember, you know, again, that God is not going to be mocked you know, every, what is the purpose that he gives in scripture for his signs, his wonders, his miracles? He says, you know, he does those to display his glories and his majesties so that we may know that he alone is the sovereign God over the heavens and the earth. And, you know, 
he will make himself known and he allows things for a certain time but then you know he steps forward and reveals that he is lord and that things are going to um, be according to his will and that wickedness and evil will not continue to just you know run freely and you know let's be abundantly clear god has not been invisible in these times god has been performing miracles god has been showing himself but i think he's just gonna step it up jesse yeah i'm ready you know he tells us to ask and you know as i say the lord you know once told me that i don't ask big enough so you know we're just going to ask god to go really big the next few days and you know we want to see the full extent of well jesse don't confuse me with the lord confuse you with the lord i'm just going to, to the big enough thing <laughs> because we we've had some discussions on that lately Yes, to go bigger. <laughs> no, that but yes, that. you actually have a shirt about going bigger. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that came through. Actually, it was, um, I, I had been doing a, a chaplain visit with a patient. And um, she was a little old lady on hospice with dementia. And she was somebody, you know, usually she was not one to give or show love but she really liked to have hugs and be held. And so the one day I was sitting reading to her on the couch and all of a sudden, you know, she surprised me because she reached over and wrapped her arms around me and gave me this big hug. And so, you know, I, I hugged her back and was like, wow, you know, you must really need some love today. And she leaned her head like she didn't let go. That was the thing, like she was still holding me. And she leans her head back and looks me straight in the eyes. And she was like, you could go bigger. <laughs> she looked really disappointed. Like, I was like, uh, you need a bigger hug? <laughs> you know? So it was funny because when I left, then, um, you know, I'm driving and the Lord says to me in the car, he says, you never asked me to go bigger. And so that's how the Lord used her statement um was to show me that i need to not be afraid to continue to ask him to go bigger well jesse today before we close this show we're going to show say a short prayer and i'm going to ask you it's going to be short so hang on for it but if you can all come into agreement with this prayer let's let's just cheer on the lord that's right but wow, what a story! Great job on this Purim as well, Jesse. And you know, this you know, he delivered his people at, during this holiday, you know, which has become the holiday now. He's, he's delivered the elect. And listen, we have been we're under persecution right now, you know, we're they've taken away our first amendment rights essentially, they're coming after your second amendment rights, like. All the all of your rights are being thrown out the window right now, mm -hmm. and so you know I'm 
really believe in God. And maybe, maybe it's going to be through Trump's speech. Maybe it's going to be bigger. Who knows? Maybe the light will. We're going to ask and believe big. You know? That's right. And Jesse, I'm going to ask you to lead that prayer because you've done such a great job with this. Um, but Jesse, could I make a quick couple announcements? Yeah, go right ahead and then we'll end in prayer. All right. So the first one is, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because we got to have them back on. But Thursday we did the show with Tom. And Tom was in a precarious situation, if you caught the episode. He had a miracle that day. And the miracle would have had to start about three days before it, for it to happen. And it was just, he was over the moon excited. So prayer does work, and prayer of this army works. Amen. Also, we have been talking about right on you. And you stands for, well, it can be related to university, but I don't want to insult our school by naming it that. <laughs> but Jesse and I have been working hard at this, and we've got some really great stuff for you. So, uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately for you, we're going deeper in the teachings than originally planned. So recordings are longer than originally planned. So it's taking a little bit longer to finish them. But hold tight because this is going to change your world. Yeah, this this is going to be really great and very impactful. Absolutely. And and by the way, I just want to give a couple other quick shout outs before we go to the prayer. Marion's got a new blog. If you remember, we did the Roundhouse episode, you know, about a month back. She's put a second part, and there's going to be a third one coming. She's exposing everything. She's been diving deep into this. So go to Illuminate the Darkness, which is also Jesse's site, and check out Marion's blog. Also, uh, a lot of people have been purchasing and commenting at how great Jesse's book is. Jesse's book is called His Kingdom Comes in Power. And you should get your copy from Chicom Amazon today. <laughs> I love that. I've got some good news on that as well. Um, if people can be in prayer, we're working on, we now have it translated in Polish. And then in the next 30 days, We'll have it translated in Spanish as well. So if you know anybody um, who is Polish reading, Spanish speaking, um, we're going to start getting that book circulating in other countries. So, or Oh, Marie's just saying, saying she wants to translate it to French. Oh, hey, yes, please uh, get a hold of me. <laughs> so... Oh, great. wow. I'm Polish. Great comments. Great people. Uh, thank you so much for participating in the chat. I hope this experience on Podbean is pretty good. As I say, we're going to consider going to the video uh, portion of this. Now, I don't know if you can do video live shows on there as well, but at least, you know, we would have a solid platform if we do go to the video. 
piece and it and it will work i'm going to stop posting video uh episodes in the meantime on this because it, it just hasn't worked well it, it's frustrating so jesse would you like to lead us in a prayer with a big expectation of the lord that's right hmm. abba father we just come before you lord and we know that everything that happens happens according to your sovereign will we know that your word says that in these last days that there will be no question in the minds of the people i often think back to first kings 18 where elijah was standing on the mountain with the 850 prophets of Baal and the people and your word says that the the hearts of the people of Israel wavered. They, they didn't know who was God. And what does Elijah do? He says, this day you will know who is God. So Lord, I'm asking, first of all, that, that this day we will know who is God, that we will know your mighty power, the work of your hands, Lord, we are promised that this, these days are going to be biblical. So I ask that you will display your wonders and your signs, your miracles, that we may know that this is not the work of men. This is not coordinated or orchestrated by any man, that this is too big, that you alone get all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, and Lord, your word says that in these last days before the Antichrist arise, arises, that there will be a second harvest, mm. that hundreds of thousands of millions of people will be brought out of the darkness into the light, that they will be brought forth with singing, that Let the mountains will be filled with their voices. Lord, so I ask that the testimonies will come forward, Lord, the testimony of the children the testimony of the military who have rescued them. Lord, I ask that you would remove the code of silence and that the voices of the people would be heard and that we would all know that this is a work that is beyond anything any man could do, that this is the hand of God moving in our day and that we may be eyewitnesses of your majesty and your glory. We ask for this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. And Lord, I just want to echo, I love the specificity of Jesse's prayer, Lord. Let those voices come out and let it be overwhelming to the enemy, that there's no way they can backtrack it. And Lord, only you could coordinate this. So God, I echo this prayer and we praise your name. We say, let it be so, God. And and even so, let it be today. We don't dictate your time, Lord, but we do ask because you've said you do not have because you do not ask. Well, we're asking that you glorify your name this day. In all the earth. In all the earth. Amen. Jesse, I want to give you a round of clap.
as you can Not see, I have a good boy here. These little sound buttons. I don't have any sound buttons. I think I need <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I, I hope everyone enjoyed this. Uh, you know what? It, it's kind of nice doing this. Uh, you know, uh, well, I have a face for radio, so I'm more comfortable on this platform. Uh, I'd like to get rid of the echo. Oh, hello. Yeah, we we didn't have echo. On, at least I didn't have echo on my end. So you sound normal to me. Uh, actually, and it just it seems like the echo just went away. Because I've, I've been echoing this entire time. But hey, praise God. He just did a miracle. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you shall receive. <laughs> you know what? Listen, it, 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 audience... It, Verifying, I've been echoing up until the last 30 seconds. Please give me a comment. <laughs> I don't think anybody else heard the echo, just you. No, 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 there maybe. was. No, the echo was gone. Just like that, uh, just now. Maybe it was in your head, I don't know. <laughs> well, that would be my alleged head, Jesse. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> I have confirmation. Audience is saying that the echo is gone. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, there we go. Jesse, this has been fun. Um, we're, I guess we're going to do a Podbean show as well on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, perhaps we'll do it live. Nah, now nah, we'll just pre-record it. We'll pre-record it. Oh, we're so good. I don't know. I I think Tom's good too. You know, if we have Tom on, I think we'd do just fine doing live. Yeah, that's true. We that's don't true. edit anyway, so what are you afraid of? We don't edit. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that I'm afraid of. It's just the uh, it's the timing of it, Jesse, that I'm considering. Yeah. Um, you know, where most people, when we typically record, would not be able to get on. That's true. That's true. And so that's my only consideration. But hey, maybe we could change on our side. We will discuss off air. Wonderful job, Jesse. Do you want to stay on the chat for, let's say, uh, another two minutes or something like that? Because you've been talking the whole time. Are you able to chat or should we just take off now? We can go ahead and take off. I was chatting on and off. Oh. So. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you, everyone. Listen, before you go, make sure you are subscribed to this channel. Make sure you hit the little heart button. You know, just... Uh, I don't know how the algorithms in that work on Podbean, but actually, believe it or not, and you know, we actually have more uh, downloads than we have on Podbean than we do on YouTube. So this is actually a bigger platform for us. Uh, we do have about a thousand more subscribers recently on YouTube than we do on Podbean, but our Podbean audience, when I look at the statistics, has been really, really faithful, and it's from around the world, uh, you know, so it's really has been a good reach, and we intend on really growing the show on this platform, so um, as I said, I don't know how the algorithms and that all work, but I think if you hit that little heart button, it probably tells their computer something, uh, but you can leave comments on it, uh, I don't reply to the comments as often on Podbean, uh, but I like to see the comments, and I do read them, it's just, uh, Listen, I, I, I got I got big, big hands <laughs> and typing on a little phone. I can only reply to comments on my phone uh, with the Podbean app. I can't do it from the desktop. So that's why I don't really reply to them as often. But uh, but I do read them. 
and uh, and Jesse has the ability to read them as well. So uh, keep that in mind. Thank you once again for joining us at Right On Radio. We really do love each and every one of you, and we really do pray for you. And uh, we're going to do something great together. So until next time, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Right on radio. Right on radio.